0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Supernatural George. I'm Mittens, and today we're going to be talking about Season 7, Episode 10, Death's Door, written by Sarah Gamble and directed by Robert Singer. I hate this one. But also, as I was going through my notes preparing for this episode, one of my posts about it begins, I love this one it's just that sort of episode. I mean, it's a great episode, and it gives us so much new and painful backstory for Bobby, and it is a moving and meaningful send-off for the character, and yet it's all just so damn pointless in the long run. Like, why, Sarah? Why did you have to kill him? We learn so much more about what happens after death, though in retrospect it looks mostly like Bobby's Reaper was just toying with him a bit for some reason. We won't learn until late season 8 that the reason is probably because he'd been paid off by Crowley to deliver Bobby's soul to hell instead of heaven. Future canon sometimes just makes things worse, doesn't it? We also get to watch Sam and Dean's individual reactions to Bobby's circumstances throughout this one as Dean's final tether to his own sanity is frayed and breaking so let's jump right into the fun i guess i'm not going to linger much over this one because again it's very very painful but we shall muddle through the then segment opens with a shot of edgar from the first episode of the season or second episode of the season i guess I always get confused and tack on the first episode of season 7 to the end of season 6 because that's where it mm, seems to fit better. Whatever. (laughs) The one where we get introduced to Edgar and he gets taken over by leviathans by leviathan goo splashing from his sink. We get several more flashes of Edgar, Dean labeling the leviathans and then Edgar demonstrating exactly what a leviathan looks like when he opens his tooth filled grody mouth and the reminder through visuals that Leviathans just don't die when you shoot at them or drop cars on them or pretty much any other way that they know of yet. Edgar then tells us that Dick is coming, and we get the caption of Dick Roman with the headline, The Rise of Dick, because, oh yeah, you thought the dick jokes were bad before? Hmm. We then get to see poor Dr. Gaines bibbing himself eating himself as punishment. Bobby gets captured by the Leviathans. Sam and Dean attempt to save him, even though they're completely outnumbered by Leviathans and have no idea how to hurt them, let alone kill them. When a cleaning truck comes up and they go in with their borax spray, Bobby's escape, the information and maps that he had seen but had to leave the paper versions behind when he ran for his life. And Dick Roman shooting at the van as Bobby jumped in the back. And Sam and Dean realizing that Bobby is not answering their questions. He's really not okay at the very end of last week's episode. And then we cut to now. We begin with a very CSI shot from inside the bullet wound in Bobby's head. We zoom out and see Sam crouched over Bobby in the back of the van as they are escaping to the hospital. Dean is driving as fast as he can, and Sam is just frantically trying to revive Bobby. After a frantic few moments, we cut to the title card. and When we come back, we zoom right back down into the bullet wound in Bobby's head and into a flashback memory from just a previous episode where Sam, Dean, and Bobby were walking through the woods on that hunt. Only as they get to the spot where they find the ranger up in the tree, Bobby realizes something. Something's not right here. And even Dean's responses to Bobby are different than actually happened. Bobby says something bad is going to happen and looks down at his hand and and blood is dripping onto the rifle in his hands. He reaches up under the brim of his hat and comes away with more blood, and he says, or something bad has happened already. In Bobby's memory, they go back to the little cabin where they were staying. He removes his hat, and there's only a little tiny mark of blood on his forehead, but he knows something is terribly wrong. He's like balls. Sam and Dean are asking him, what's going on with your head? And Bobby's like, I got shot in it. Sam and Dean are like, oh, we were with you this whole time. You haven't been shot. Bobby insists he didn't take one in here. He took one out there. He realizes he's inside his own memories. Sam and Dean, though, are like, uh, no, you lost us. That doesn't make sense. Bobby tells them that there's something he needs to tell them, something really important, but he can't find that memory. Sam's like, it's okay, take your time. Bobby's like, no, 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 I don't need to tell you, you. I need to tell you out there in the real world. He remembers that it was numbers, finds a piece of paper, and he writes down a string of numbers and tells them that it was something that the Leviathans are cooking up. Bobby tears the paper off the pad and shoves it in his pocket. When he looks back up, he's no longer in the cabin with Sam and Dean. He's in his house with his wife, and he's holding a glass of wine. She's got candles set up everywhere. It's very romantic. Despite this memory of Karen being something that Bobby obviously feels very deeply and is so happy to see her and talk to her, he's a little bit nervous because something terrible happened this night he even repeats along with her the words that she said to him that night but then some thunder sounds and bobby's like wait a second i don't remember a storm the night this happened he goes to the window and it's a beautifully perfectly clear night but then something shifts the moon and stars disappear and turn black and outside the window there's a kid running toward the house the kid is obviously something important to bobby and he tells karen that he has to go she gets upset at this like wait don't go and as soon as he walks through the doorway he turns to look back at her but he's already somewhere else he's on a hunt with rufus they're wearing pest control uniforms, and Rufus has got an EMF detector, and Bobby is trying to convince Rufus that he needs help, that he's going to die, and he needs Rufus' help. But Rufus is still engaged in the ghost hunt, in the memory. He goes inside the building that they're trying to clear the ghost out of. Bobby's left standing on the steps of this, looks like a church, And he turns, and the same kid that was running across the field towards Bobby's house runs by on the sidewalk, just staring at him. Rufus comes out of the church and tells Bobby to get a move on, and Bobby is about to follow when the kid is right there in front of him, grabs his wrist, and tells Bobby that God is going to punish him. Funny, it's not really God, is it? It's more like Crowley who's going to send him to hell, right? Hmm. Bobby hears a crashing noise, and behind him, he turns to see a glass of milk shattered on the floor. It's like he's had a flash from a totally different vision, then goes back inside the church to help Rufus. There's a choir getting ready to rehearse inside the church when they go in. Rufus has already moved on to where they're searching out the ghost and Bobby's just frozen there and then the building starts to shake and even the choir people seem to realize the building is shaking. They look around and then start disappearing one by one and then all the lights progressively go out and someone comes up behind Bobby and addresses him. It's his reaper And he's got a pocket watch he's swinging around, telling Bobby that his time is up. Bobby tells the Reaper that he's never heard of a Reaper showing up inside someone's mind. And the Reaper tells him, you're in a coma. This is how that works. I climb in and fish you out. Bobby's like, "Uh, no, not so fast. And the Reaper is frustrated with him, like I've got places to be. You're wasting my time. The Reaper checks his pocket watch, and while he does, Bobby makes a run for it. The Reaper's just kind of like, oh my god, this guy. (laughs) Kind of like when you're watching a police show, and you're like, why do they always run? (coughs) They're gonna run. But as Bobby disappears through the door at the back of the church, he doesn't end up with Rufus. He ends up back at his place again, this time with Sam and Dean. They're having a movie night, and just arguing about stuff they've got chuck norris movies and delta force and they're arguing about these movies and dean is like i don't even know you right now seems like it depends on the criteria dean's like survival is the only criteria and that's kind of appropriate to bobby's situation right now dean turns to bobby to settle the debate between them who's the bigger badass chuck norris or jet lee Bobby doesn't reply. Dean's like, Ugh, okay, whatever. Can you grab me a beer while you're in there? And you could still see Dean behind Bobby as he opens these double doors into the kitchen. But the scene inside the kitchen is entirely different. A woman calls out for Bobby. It's his mother. She's upset with Bobby, like getting ready for dinner. She wants him to wash up or his father will be upset with him. Do you want him to get mad? But Bobby cannot face that memory, something horrible about it. And he slams the doors shut again so he can't see it anymore. And he's thrown right back to the church with Rufus. Only now Bobby is not no longer wearing the pest control uniform like Rufus is. He's just wearing the same outfit he had been wearing. Bobby is still trying to convince Rufus to help him. Notice he didn't ask Sam and Dean to help him, even though they could have. He's trying to get through to Rufus. Tells him there's a reaper coming after him. Rufus is like, yeah, there's a reaper coming for all of us. Rufus just wants to finish their ghost hunt, and he's about to smash through the door of a crypt with a sledgehammer. And as soon as the sledgehammer makes contact, we cut back to reality, where Bobby's being wheeled into an emergency room. Doctors and nurses are attending to him, and Sam and Dean are left back in the hallway. Sam tries to ask what's happening and if he's going to be okay. And they just get herded back out. They tell the nurse that Bobby's their uncle and they want to know what's going on. When are you going to take the bullet out? And the nurse starts saying, if we can get the swelling down, if it's in a place we can get it out. And Sam is the one who realizes if he even lives that long. Sam has already come to grips with Bobby's death here because Sam needs to maintain a grip on reality. That's what's keeping him from falling into the Lucifer hallucinations. He's been dealing with that all season long. No matter how he might feel about Bobby, it's imperative that Sam not let himself believe in something that might not be real, and the hope of Bobby's survival might not be real. Meanwhile, back in the crypt, they've got the skeleton pulled out of the crypt, and Bobby tells Rufus, you know, forget it, I've got to keep moving, you know, my reaper's going to get me, if you're not going to help me, I'm out of here, turns to leave, and the ghost of the woman whose bones Rufus is about to burn appears. She calls him Heartbreaker, runs up to him, grabs the salt gun out of his hand, and just sticks her hand in his chest and squeezes meanwhile in reality bobby's body is having some sort of medical crisis through the white curtain of bobby's room there's a light above his bed that's getting brighter and brighter as dean watches while meanwhile inside the vision this ghost is telling bobby that she will break his heart until Rufus appears and swings something made of iron through the ghost, and she lets go of his heart. Bobby falls to the ground, though. Rufus is like, say something, and he's like, look out. The ghost comes and attacks Rufus, and he gets knocked out. There's blood streaming from his temple, but it's too late for the ghost. Bobby's got the flamethrower and sets her bones on fire, and in reality... Bobby's vitals have stabilized but now that their hunt is over Bobby's like okay Rufus now I need you to pay attention here because I need your help and he looks over to see Rufus still unconscious on the floor Bobby's like oh balls of course my memory that I'd get of you would be this one hunt where you almost died so now Bobby's got to take Rufus to the hospital but Bobby is determined that Rufus is going to be useful to him. Back in reality, the doctor comes out and talks to Dean. He tells Dean that he's stable for the moment, but we'll just have to see. And Sam looks shaky. He is definitely not handling this well, but Dean looks devastated. Back inside the vision, Bobby's walking around the hospital lobby while he's looking for Rufus. He sees the kid again that's been following him through multiple visions. He calls out to the kid and asks him, why are you following me? Bobby gets upset with the kid like, enough with this, who are you running from? And he takes a couple steps towards the kid who looks kind of terrified. And Bobby's like, wait a second, wait a second. I know who you are. Just as that moment of recognition happens, Rufus is wheeled out of the hospital apparently all recovered now, and interrupts. By the time Bobby turns back to address the kid again, he's gone. But Bobby has other more important and more pressing things to talk to Rufus about. After he nearly got killed there, do you remember what you told me about your near-death experience? Rufus is like, I haven't told you anything yet. I just had it, like, a minute ago. Bobby is demanding to know what Rufus saw. And Rufus was like, why are you so upset about this? Come on. Rufus tells him that he saw the place where he lived when he was a kid and he wasn't about to die there. So he decided he was going to get out. And Bobby presses him. Well, what did you do? How did you get out? And Rufus is like, come on. I started looking for the exit door. Bobby's begging to know how he found the exit door. And Rufus is like, oh, it's simple. I just went deep. Bobby's like old and Rufus is like no 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 the stuff you just don't want to think about the worst memories and Bobby's like okay okay I can do this and Rufus is like what the hell are you going on about anyway Bobby he pulls out the paper with the numbers from his pocket and tells Rufus he needs to get out so that he can give those numbers to Sam and Dean because he's in a coma Rufus is like, wait a second, are you trying to tell me I'm just one of your better memories? And Bobby's like, do you think I would make this up? (laughs) Like, if it wasn't true? And while this is all processing, everything starts to shake again. Bobby tells Rufus he's got to go and that you're coming with me. And Rufus relents and agrees to come with him. He advises Bobby to aim for his worst memory. And as they walk back towards the door of the hospital, because behind every door is another memory when you're in a coma, walking through a door will trigger another memory. Rufus stops him and asks why Bridezilla, the ghost that had attacked them, called Bobby a heartbreaker. I guess she targeted men who broke women's hearts. Rufus can't believe that Bobby's a heartbreaker, like you're a family man if I ever saw one but that gives Bobby an idea about what his worst memory might be. Everything starts shaking again. No time to dilly-dally, he's got to face Karen. He walks through the door and is zapped back to that memory, along with Rufus, who gets to watch all of this play out. The glass of wine that Bobby had handed Karen the first time we saw her is now shattered on the floor, spilled, and she's covered up with a dark colored robe, not the flimsy white sexy nightgown that she was wearing before. And she's crying. She tells Bobby that she hates him. Their whole life was a lie. He knew she wanted to have kids when they got married, and he'd just been making excuses for years because he was terrified to have his own kids. She wants to know why he never just sat her down and explained that to her, but tried to lie about it and hide it. She's heartbroken, though. Bobby is a heartbreaker. She insists that he's a good man and would be a good dad. But back then, Bobby didn't believe her. We don't hear what Bobby's response to her was in the past to that plea about him being a good man, all we hear is Karen's reaction to whatever he said. She like screams in anguish. What does that even mean? You break everything you touch. And as she tries to walk away from him, she accidentally steps in the broken glass and cuts her foot. Bobby tries to go to her to help her and she yells back, just stay away from me. But of course, the belief that I break everything I touch, and then watching the person you love most in the world hurt because of your actions. He brought her that wine glass. He caused her to be upset enough for it to land on the ground, for this whole argument to have erupted. It's his fault. He blames himself for all of this. And then she yells, you broke my heart, Bobby. And of course, that's just one more thing he touched that ended up broken. Rather than go away like she ordered him to, he stands there and tells her quietly, just so you know, I'm sorry. I never stopped being sorry. And we know that from the first time we met Zombie Karen. Rufus is surprised by all of this. He's like, Bobby, I thought you would have wanted a gang of Rugrats. Bobby just can't respond to that. And then Rufus asks, so how long after this? and Bobby finishes. Did she get possessed? Three days. Three days after they had this argument, the worst argument they'd ever had, she was possessed, and he never got to make it right. He never got to apologize to her. He never got to have the conversation again and give her a different answer. That choice was taken from him. Bobby's just watching her cry, and his heart is breaking. And Rufus is there, at least, to remind him, Bobby, try the door. If this really is your worst memory, this is how you escape. Bobby opens the door, and there's a bright light, and he steps through. But he's not out of his memories yet, and Rufus is still there with him. Rufus looks around. It's like, what year is this? 80s or 90s? Bobby's like, what does it matter? I'm still stuck. Rufus points out, no, I was just wondering because you look pretty good there. And then we cut to see Bobby, a younger version of himself, walking through a park carrying a big bag of stuff with young Dean, who's probably like eight or nine years old. Dean tells Bobby that his father said he needed to practice with the double barrel. Bobby says, "We're no, we're going to skip the guns today. Pulls out a couple baseball mitts and a ball from his bag And they play a game of catch. Rufus points out to Bobby that for a guy who breaks his wife's heart, insisting that he doesn't want to have kids, you look like a pretty good dad right here. Bobby just tells him to shut up. But we all know in our hearts that, yes, Bobby was the best dad. Bobby's goal now is to find another door. That didn't work. He's still not free. They've got work to do. They look around and spot an old what looks like a shed of some sort. As they walk toward it, Rufus pesters Bobby again, you know, why no kids? I really want to know, and Bobby keeps trying to dismiss him. Bobby insists it wasn't that deep. His dad was a mean drunk, and he figured if he had kids, there was a chance he could turn out just like his dad. Rufus teases him a little bit, and he's like, you know, you're overselling it. You know, you're, you're not an angry drunk, you're a cranky drunk. But Rufus has hit the nail on the head. Whatever you're trying to avoid with all those eye rolls and whatever, that's exactly where you need to be going to get out of here. And probably because Rufus had been pestering him about it specifically, when Bobby opens that door to his next memory, he's thrown right back into his childhood kitchen. His mother is still preparing dinner. She's got the table all set now and his father is sitting there reading the newspaper looking pissed off with a bottle of whiskey in front of him his mom looks like she's walking on eggshells as she serves his dinner and then little bobby comes running into the room the little boy we've been seeing everywhere instead of like welcoming him to the table bobby's dad is just insulting to him like oh you finally decided to show up The mother asks if someone would like to say grace, and the father's like, hell with grace, somebody pass me the biscuits. Bobby jumps out of his seat to reach for the biscuits, to please his father as fast as possible, but in doing so, he knocks over his milk, and it shatters on the floor. That's the milk he saw drop and shatter way back at the church. His mom springs into action, and they both look terrified, Bobby is like practically crying. I'm sorry. His father folds his newspaper and slams it down. And then he yells at Bobby. The line that hurt Bobby before. You break everything you touch. Karen cried it at him. What does that even mean? You break everything you touch. This is the root of it. Bobby was so terrified to have kids. Lest he turn out to be this guy. His mother is on the floor cleaning up the broken glass and she's trying to placate everybody. Let's just have a nice supper. And Bobby's dad is like, a nice supper. And he takes his dish that he hasn't even touched yet and flings that onto the ground. He takes another glass of whiskey and complains that he gets no respect in this house. And I'm like, dude. You're like the least respectable person I've seen in a very long time. Why would you deserve respect for being an asshole to your family? But current Bobby just shakes his head at this scene and shuts the door. Rufus is like, what? What are you doing? You can't tell me that wasn't a terrible memory to go spelunking in. You've got to confront that if you want to get out of here. Bobby tries to insist that that was any given Tuesday night. That was just his childhood in general. Nothing special about this. Rufus tells him, No, Bobby, you're scared. You need to go in there. Bobby insists they're in the wrong place. Before Rufus can argue back, the whole building starts shaking again. Rufus warns Bobby, That's a signal. You don't have time. That Reaper is going to catch up to you soon. We don't have forever to go bopping around in your greatest hits. Get on with it. If there was some way to stop the thing, then maybe we could take a little more time with this. But it's a Reaper, and you're screwed. Bobby has a revelation. I know what we're going to do. We're going to stop the Reaper. Back in reality, Sam is talking to the doctor, so there's nothing else you can do. The doctor is trying to be realistic with them, that he doesn't have a definitive will he get better or not. It's just a wait and see. Dean's like, well, he's lasted this long. That's a good sign, right? And the doctor's trying to say, well, it might be, (laughs) but I don't want to give you false hope. Most of the time in cases like this, and he's hesitant to say it, but Sam finishes the sentence. They die. Dean is disbelieving. To Dean, Sam is resigning himself to this, like he's quitting on Bobby somehow. And just as Sam and Dean are sitting with this when the doctor leaves, A man in a suit comes in. He's the representative for the organ donation team at the hospital. He goes out in the hall and talks to Dean alone and asks him if his uncle had any wishes for what would happen to his organs after death. Dean looks shocked that anyone would ask this. The man pleads, organs are only viable for a very short window. Dean is offended at this. He's like, viable? And the man's like, yes, we're hoping some good can come of this tragic situation. Dean cuts him off. He's like, you don't talk like that. There's every chance that he's still going to live. Don't talk about him like he's already dead. Dean insists that he's going to be fine because he's always fine. He has to be fine in Dean's mind. And Dean finally gets a chance to let out his anger on this poor man. Why are you talking to me like he's going to die? I do my job. Do your jobs and save him. And this man in the suit is just like, well, of course, they're trying everything they can. Dean lets loose. The man is standing in front of a wall with like a guide to the hospital on a board behind a pane of glass. And Dean just lets loose and punches the glass hard enough to shatter the glass and cut his hand open. And the man is completely terrified, stunned, Dean tells him to walk away. As soon as he can manage to get his feet moving, he does just that. But Dean needs a break. He goes outside for some fresh air. And what does he see? A big fancy limousine just parked outside. He goes storming over to it, yelling for Dick. I know you're in there. The window rolls down. And yeah, Dick Roman is in there. Dean starts taunting him. Telling him, oh, would you come here to finish the job? Come on out here and fight me, like, one-on-one. Dick friggin' Roman. Dick's just, like, smiling and nodding. And Dean's like, yeah, see, you took a famous guy, so it's not all upside. You can't just come out here and fight me on the street like you probably want to desperately. Because everybody knows who the hell you are. Everybody's in the background's got their cell phones out trying to video it. Dick just taunts Dean very calmly he says you should go check on that friend of yours i'm a very good shot dean again tells him we're coming to get you and not just hurt you we're gonna kill you dick's like come on i can't be killed dean replies that you're gonna wish you could be then dick laughs at that dean's like you're either laughing because you're scared or you're laughing because you're stupid i'll see you soon dick And Dick looks not very scared yet. He's enjoying playing with Dean like this. Meanwhile, back inside Bobby's memories, he's still in his house, his modern house, looking for something in an old King James Bible. Rufus asks what they're doing, and Bobby's like, well, technically you're correct. You can't really stop a Reaper, only their boss can, and we don't want to bring him into this. Because, I mean, having death there when you're in a coma is probably worse than having a reaper. He pulls out a big cross attached to a rosary and insists that Sam and Dean have run into a few reapers. And they have learned a few tricks. How to slow a reaper down, at least. And, I mean, this is kind of reminiscent of In My Time of Dying when Dean was running around a hospital while he was in a coma evading his reaper. But that was a slightly different situation. Back at the hospital, Dean gets himself a cup of coffee. He's had a chance to just vent his feelings a little bit now. And he looks over and sees Sam at the other side of the waiting room. Sam asks what the guy wanted. And Dean does not tell him the truth. Tells him, oh, it's nothing, just some insurance mook. Because that's not important to Dean. It's not even going to become relevant in his mind. What's important is that Dick Roman was sitting out there. Sam is freaked out by that, but Dean tells him nothing happened. It's just a staring contest for now. What's up with Bobby? Apparently, the swelling has gone down in his brain, and they've been able to lower the amount of sedation he's on to the point where Bobby was fighting his breathing tube, and they pulled that out. He's now breathing on his own, and Dean's excited about this, like, oh, that's good, right? So when are they going to take the bullet out? And Sam stutters over trying to explain to Dean that they're not even considering that as an option right now. And honestly, it's a TV thing that you have to take bullets out to make people get better because, yeah, most of the time, removing bullets does more harm than good. Dean is getting some hard truth from Sam about what Bobby's chances actually are. If they tried anything, it would be cutting out the dead brain tissue rather than trying to remove the bullet. It's not like Bobby's brain is just going to heal up like a muscle would or something. Sam tells Dean he needs to talk to him. You know what? Dean obviously does. He says, no, 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 we're not having that conversation. Just as much as Bobby is trying to dodge his worst memory, Dean is trying to dodge having the worst case scenario talk here. Dean again angrily insists that Bobby is not going to die, and Sam insists he might. Sam advises they need to brace themselves, because this is real. Dean just cannot bring himself to face Bobby's death, though. They've been through enough, he says. Which is exactly what Sam's afraid of, that Dean is not being in touch with reality here. He's like betting everything on Bobby's surviving because without Bobby, Dean is going to fall apart too. And I think Sam kind of knows that too, but they can't stop reality from happening here. And Sam needs to stay in touch with reality. And we don't know what Lucifer is saying in Sam's hallucinations right now, but he sits down and he squeezes the shit out of his hand he squeezes his eyes shut, and we know that Lucifer is probably saying the most vile and horrible things to him, both about Bobby and what are you going to do, little crybaby or whatever, and about Dean as well. This is the guy that you've got is your only anchor to reality. This is the stone you built your sanity castle on. Good luck with that, buddy. He's out of touch with reality, too. This has got to be tormenting for Sam. Meanwhile, inside Bobby's office, Rufus is mixing together the ingredients for a spell. Bobby walks into the next room, comes back because things are starting to disappear around them. The lights are getting snuffed out from each window in succession. He's really running out of time. He goes to open another drawer, doesn't find what he's looking for, but he hears himself In that memory from earlier where he was playing catch with Dean, he's now on the phone talking to John Winchester. No, we didn't shoot rifles. We threw a ball around. He tells John he's just a kid. They're entitled to have fun. Bobby then says into the phone, yeah, I know I ain't their dad. And then he hangs up on John. John's pissed. I wonder how much trouble Dean got into because Bobby wasn't kind to him. But it's kind of a prod that Bobby needed. Proof that, no, everything you touch doesn't break. You did a great job raising Sam and Dean, even if they weren't your kids. He looks back down in the drawer that he'd been rummaging through, and it's empty. Just like all the lights are disappearing from outside, everything's starting to disappear inside his house, too. The jar of blood from his fridge that they need is still there, at least. And then we see him painting a big sigil on the floor. They perform the spell, and the Reaper appears inside the sigil. The Reaper is kind of impressed that Bobby was able to actually trap him while he's unconscious. Bobby's like, okay, well then get comfy. The Reaper's like, I'm trying to help you, Bobby. You're gonna die. You can't stop it by pinning me like a bug. Bobby's not quite ready to believe that. The Reaper tells him, you've seen the dark coming. People are disappearing, things going blank. And Bobby looks around and all the photos, the faces have gone blank except for his own. The spines of the books on his shelves are blank. Everything inside your mind, as your brain is slowly dying, is going to be erased like this. So this trap you've got me in is not going to hold very long. It's going to disappear as well. Bobby argues back. You think. You think I'm gonna die. Bobby is still determined to get out. The Reaper gives him one more chance. Come with me and be done. You've earned it. Or you can fight me and stay here. And Bobby knows what would happen in that case. Ghosts turn vengeful rufus advises bobby to maybe listen to the reaper do you really want to get stuck here as a ghost bobby insists he knows what he's doing rufus is like yeah you want to help those boys but how many ghosts do you know that are in their right minds how much help are you really going to be to them the reaper tells him that he's done enough he took a what should have been a small life and really made something with it He did great things with his life. Bobby tells him he does not care. The Reaper asks, why? And Bobby says, because they're my boys. He's got this compulsion that he needs to go back. He's got information that can help Sam and Dean, and he has no other way to get it to them. They would have no other way to access that information ever if Bobby doesn't give it to them. He's desperate to get it to them. They're the one important thing in his life and he needs to help them. And as he says that, his young self is standing there staring at him and he looks back at the Reaper and finally relents. All right, if this is the memory I have to go through, then that's what I'm going to do. And it's like the Reaper really, truly does understand. Like he brought the boy here just so Bobby could see him. Like, if you want out, this is the way. He's not going to say anything, but he is giving you the choice here. Bobby tells Rufus, nice seeing you again, old friend. Tells the Reaper, thanks for the chat, and then follows his young self. We're right back in the kitchen. Bobby's mom on the floor cleaning up the father's mess, insisting that it's going to be fine. She'll just clean it up and... Bobby's dad just pours himself another glass of whiskey and yells at Bobby. What well, are you just going to sit there and get a broom or something? Bobby leaps to his feet and his father gets up, goes over to stand over his mother and yells at her. You know why he's like that? Because you let him do whatever he wants. And he just looks pissed. His mom's like, oh, it's okay. I'm almost done. You just relax and have another drink. She is terrified. His dad gets real quiet, dangerous sounding. Don't tell me what to do. Nothing will placate this man. She begs, no, no, wait. And he reels back and smacks her. And Bobby is just there watching. And instead of begging her husband to stop, she looks at her son and says, Why do you always provoke him? And it's like, Lady, Bobby did zero to provoke this asshole. Why do you placate him? Why do you try? And Bobby's dad looks right at him and says, because he's a bad kid. That's why. And grown up Bobby says, well, that's a load of crap. Who the hell were you to say that? And his dad comes a couple steps closer. And is like, I'm your father and you show your father respect. Bobby yells back, the day he deserves it. Bobby calls him a drunken bully and yells at him about, is that what they call fatherhood, punching women and kids? His father insists that Bobby deserved it because he was ungrateful. Bobby yells at him and storms over to him. I was a kid. Kids aren't supposed to be grateful. They're supposed to eat your food and break your heart. And he calls his dad a selfish dad dick and he says it flat out you died and i was still so afraid i'd turn into you i never had kids of my own and his dad's like good you break everything you touch and all through this bobby's mother is just crying harder and harder on the floor and bobby knows now he doesn't break everything he touches and he real quiet says well as fate would have it i adopted two boys And they grew up great. They grew up heroes. So you can go to hell. Back in the hospital, a couple of medical professionals come through talking about plans for Bobby. Sam's like, what? What's going on? Apparently, Bobby is showing some signs of responsiveness because he's confronting that memory, right? He's getting closer to the surface. They're taking him up for surgery. The doctor advises them, if you want to see him, go squeeze in there quick. We cut back to Bobby's memory. His mother is bleeding from her nose and her face, and she's apologizing over and over again. She's begging him to stop, and he is not having it. He is going to continue pounding on her. But it's Bobby, little Bobby, who comes in with a rifle, and he's like, no, you listen. And his father just laughs like, what are you going to do, shoot me? He doesn't think Bobby has the guts to do it, doesn't think he's man enough to leave the adults to sort this out. I'll deal with you later. He grabs Bobby's mom by the hair and pulls her to her feet as she screams. And Bobby decides right then, yeah, I'm man enough to do this. And he shoots his father in the head in almost the exact same spot that Bobby has been shot in the head, but his father drops to the floor dead. And as young Bobby is just standing there holding the gun in shock, his mother says, Bobby, what did you do? God is going to punish you. That's the line that young Bobby gave our Bobby at the very beginning outside that church. When the milk dropped, God is going to punish you. Nah, it's not God that's going to punish him. But, I mean, God's an evil bastard anyway. He's the one who's sort of arranged all of this in a roundabout way. So, old Bobby finally goes to young Bobby and tells him, Hey, this is where you learned a very important lesson. That people never thank you for saving them. He tells himself, you did what you had to do. And, yeah, he probably did. His dad was probably going to kill his mom if he hadn't shot him. And then he gives himself some some advice. Go get a shovel and bury him out behind the shed. And just then, Bobby's reaper has been freed from his trap. And he says, you've got just about the only case of genetic bullet to the brain that I've ever seen. The lights in the windows behind Bobby flare bright. And the reaper's like, yeah, there's no place else for you to run. But Bobby makes a break for it out the door and comes back to consciousness in reality. And of course, Sam and Dean were standing by his bedside because he's about to be taken up for surgery. The doctor tells him that we need to get moving and Sam takes one last moment to say something to Bobby. He takes Bobby's hand and tells him, thanks for everything. Which in this show, that phrase is almost as loaded as you did what you had to do or you didn't have a choice or whatever. Thanks for everything is the goodbye phrase on this show. Sam is letting him go just in case Dean hasn't really been able to bring himself to do that yet but Sam lets go of Bobby's hand and puts it back on the bed and Bobby raises his hand and Sam's like wait wait wait, stop you can't take him yet his eyes are open Bobby pulls his oxygen mask off he's trying to say something but he can't talk Sam grabs his hands and Dean's rummaging around for a pen something to write on Bobby takes the marker, grabs Sam's hand, and writes that sequence of numbers that he'd been carrying through that whole fight to escape his death. This was the one thing he needed to do, and he looks so relieved, like, "Yes, I can finally let go now. I got the information to them." He looks at Sam and Dean and smiles and calls them "midgets" and then dies. You can watch Dean's heart break in real time here as he realizes what's happening. Bobby, but he is gone. The doctor calls a code in the trauma room. Sam and Dean are left out in the waiting room watching, knowing what's going to happen, knowing that there's pretty much no hope anymore. Even as the medical team all rushes in to try and save Bobby's life, this is the end. And the reaction shots just sam is in there but man it feels like it's all dean like sam always had another father figure in dean even if he doesn't acknowledge that or realize that but bobby was all dean had dean doesn't have another person he can talk to anymore that's it and we cut back inside bobby's head as his final memory is beginning to fade and he's back at that movie night with Sam and Dean, as Sam and Dean are still arguing about movies. He grabs a few beers out of the fridge and heads back in there. But his Reaper is back and stops him. He compliments Bobby on being able to actually wake up like he did. The Reaper tells Bobby, you know why it's dark outside, right? Because this house is your last island. It's the last memory as your brain is dying. Which means that this is your last chance to come with me. To move on. It's for your own good, Bobby. He doesn't want Bobby to just be trapped on Earth forever. And despite the fact that Bobby did fulfill his one mission he felt he needed to, getting those coordinates to Sam and Dean, he still feels obligated to help them. So of course he can't let go the reaper tries to convince bobby that sam and dean will be okay without him and bobby tells him what last memory huh well good thing i saved the best for last and he walks away goes back out into the other room to watch sam and dean arguing about popcorn and licorice to bobby this is the best memory he just sits there watching sam and dean argue about something completely mundane and pointless. And to him, that is like the peak of his achievement on Earth, that he was able to give these two boys as fucked up as their lives were the space to just be two normal guys just being normal. And Bobby is content to watch Sam and Dean until they, too, are wiped away because that part of his brain is now gone And the Reaper returns once again. Well, Bobby, this is your last chance. Do you stay or do you go? And we don't even get an answer because that's where the episode ends. And they were building suspense because we weren't supposed to know that Bobby actually did stick around as a ghost. We're supposed to doubt it and wonder if it could possibly be true. And no, but we know because we've seen the whole series before. Of course Bobby would choose to stay. He wasn't ready to give up. He wanted to make sure that Sam and Dean would have another night like that one in his vision, in his memory. That it wouldn't all just be hunting in misery until they died now. He lives for those moments where he could just be normal with them and argue about stupid inconsequential shit like if licorice is a good movie snack. And we are supposed to believe that that is the send off for his character and that we will never see him again. We know we will, but only as a ghost and only as a dead person or as a version of himself from an alternate universe who isn't really him. And it makes me so angry that they never actually addressed it. And even Andrew Dabb said in the final season that they would have original charlie and original bobby come back and they never did and it just kind of infuriating i mean i guess that was original bobby in heaven supposedly but that's just so fucked up i'm sorry and we never do find out so anyway they all deserve to live didn't they they sure did chuck's fucked up story was this the Reaper that Bobby evaded that was supposed to drag him to hell? Was it some part of Chuck's grand plan to torment Bobby because he would made Chuck's job a little more difficult? Or was it a different Reaper later on down the line who gets bribed, the one when Bobby actually disappears for good when Dean burns his flask? Maybe that was a different Reaper who just took the payoff from Crowley? Maybe all of this really is just what happened inside Bobby's mind. And there was no larger story point to it. But again, Sam and Dean did need those coordinates. And it is going to be difficult for them to decipher what they meant. And there is going to be this back and forth about Bobby for the next few episodes until they are sure that Bobby's ghost is still around them, trying to help them. And until then, they just don't really believe it. Well, Dean does, but Sam is firmly trying to stay in touch with reality. Because we saw him squeezing the hell out of his hand in this episode. We know he's struggling with Lucifer, But Dean is too deep in his own grief to kind of remember that right now. And I can't really blame Dean, and I can't really blame Sam for not telling him because he doesn't want to add any more to Dean's burden right now. But man, this would have been a really great time for them to actually communicate this sort of thing to each other. Remember, Dean, I'm still hallucinating here, but Sam's trying to minimize that for Dean. Oh boy. Season seven is just an awful mess, and I'm so glad. We're almost out past it. I mean, there's still codependent shit to come in later seasons, but man, this is just so dark. (laughs) And I think I've had about as much as I can take of talking about this particular episode tonight. And so I'm just going to let this one end. I think we've all taken what we can from it. Seen the bigger picture story, how Chuck was involved. The pointless grief that they get put through for the sake of the story, it's just hard. And next week, we don't even get to see their grieving process of this, except in montage, which is probably for the best because it sounds like they didn't do a lot of anything other than moping (laughs) for four weeks. But yeah, we'll skip four weeks into the future and we'll see just the sort of toll that all of this has taken on both Sam and Dean in a way that's going to push Dean to stay on his feet because he's not going to have another choice. He's going to have to keep fighting. And God, I just want to give these two guys like a vacation. (laughs) Like big big time. (sighs) Anyway. Next week, Season 7, Episode 11, Adventures in Babysitting. Sam's going to be babysitting Chrissy, and Frank is kind of going to be babysitting Dean. <laughs> at least for a little while. He kind of needs it, though. Until then, you can find me on Tumblr, at Mittensmorgul, or at SP and George. You can find me on Discord and Blue Sky as Mittensmorgul. Or you can email me at mittensmorgul at gmail.com. And I look forward to talking to everybody again real soon. I'm going on vacation next week. And I was thinking I have to record two podcast episodes next week to keep caught up and everything. And I was like, man, this is a hard run of episodes to have to do two in a couple of days. Oh, my God. And then I remembered, thankfully, that I'll be back before my next podcast recording date. So I will only have to record one. Thank God. If there's any run of episodes that I wouldn't want to have to push through even more rapidly than I am, it's this one. I need decompression time after this week's episode. Thank you. <laughs> but at least I, unlike Sam and Dean, get a vacation. So I shall, I shall put my toes in the sand extra hard on their behalf. Anyway, have a good one, everyone.